0: Today on the Bill Kelly Show on AM nine hundred CHML.
1: I, I guess we shouldn't be surprised by this. Uh, Mark Smith, uh, one of the co-accused, uh, found guilty in the murder of Laura Babcock uh, last month uh, in February, is uh, appealing his conviction. Uh, that tends to happen an awful lot of the times when there's a conviction in a murder situation like this. But uh, is there grounds for this? That's the question I guess a lot of folks are asking these days. Jordan Donich uh, joined us, criminal lawyer with Donich Law, uh, to uh, try to add some clarity to this. Uh, Jordan, thanks so much for the time. It's great to have you on the program today.
0: Glad to be here. Thank you.
1: uh, I guess first and foremost, as I said in the preamble, uh, anytime there's a a conviction in a murder situation, you pretty much expect there's going to be some kind of an appeal, don't you?
0: Right. I mean, it's a normal process because someone facing a murder conviction and a mandatory minimum really has nothing but time. Okay, And if you have nothing but time, you might as well appeal and hope for a chance. And that's exactly what we're seeing here.
1: But you can't just say, hey, I disagree with this. There, there have to be some some elements about uh, what uh, wrongful, uh, I, I guess, accumulation of evidence or, or something. In other words, I, you have to say, hey, there was something wrong in the way the, the trial happened. You can't just say, hey, I think it's too harsh.
0: That's right. So uh, generally, a successful appeal will win on an error in law, okay, where something went wrong at the trial level, or perhaps the trier of fact made an issue, uh, had an issue with, with uh, interpreting evidence or the jury, right? And um, that's going to be the merit, right, of the appeal. But it still doesn't stop someone from launching an appeal, okay? And what will be interesting here is perhaps the arguments surrounding the consecutive sentence, because that is a newer area of the law we're seeing. So that's
1: that's a rather vague, uh, you know, uh, thing to say. Error in law. I mean, that, that's a pretty pretty wide scope. There. What do you have to be specific, or just say there were errors in law, and, and let them try to find out if, they, in fact, there were one. Uh, any, no, any any so, mistakes?
0: Right. So he would have to be specific of what went wrong. So I guess to to break that down, what I mean by error in law is. Generally, on a successful appeal, it cannot be based on uh, a decision, a finding a fact okay, about what happened, right? You can't say, um, I want to appeal this because I disagree with the findings of fact. In other words, that uh, I was involved in the murder. A successful appeal will be one on perhaps how those facts were interpreted, how they were used, how the evidence came out. So it has to be based on uh, an error in the process of the litigation, And yes, that would need to be specified if, in fact, he would want a higher court to perhaps grant him a remedy. What would the remedy be here? Likely a new trial. Um, It doesn't mean he'll get out of jail, but it means he might get a chance to have a different outcome, and that's what we're seeing
1: here. Jordan, walk us through the system. I mean, because, let's face it, if, if in fact this is a given that if there's a, a, a conviction in a situation like this, the Crown obviously is aware of the fact that look, so th- these people are probably going to appeal. How do they approach their presentation in a case like this then? In other words, they, they want to make sure that there are no gaps, that there are no loopholes, and there are no problems like that. It's it's a rather onerous task, but boy, they, they really have to go with the fine-tooth comb to, to make sure that everything they're doing here is tight.
0: Right, and that's what we call padding the appeal, okay? Um, it's, it's when all parties, uh, in this case likely the the trier of fact and the Crown, uh, goes through the entire case with the fear of this happening, okay? And that's why we saw so much litigation about one party being self-represented and allowing everyone their adequate time to cross-examine and advance all arguments So that there is no merit to the appeal. Um, So you're correct in that as uh, these cases progress, um, everyone is, you know, aware of this potential scenario. And as the evidence comes out, they will pad the case to ensure there are no arguments or no legitimate arguments to grant an appeal. Because at the end of the day, do we really want to put the family through this again?
1: Which is part of the problem. So in other words, it's, it's, like, it's like there's two goals then, I guess, when the Crown comes forward with a case like this. It's, it's A, they want to get a conviction, but B, they want to make sure that, uh, that, there's, that it's airtight and that nobody's going to come back and say, well, you messed this up here.
0: Right. So what good is a conviction, right, a, 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 a courtroom erupting in tears if the very next day it's set aside? So that's right. That's the paranoia that goes through everyone's head, even the judge, because the judge doesn't want to get it wrong right and appeal means the judge got something wrong it means the judge misinterpreted it or the jury or whomever it means something went wrong somewhere and with cases like this that are highly litigious that are complex where the stakes are high you're right that extra steps and precautions are taken throughout uh, to perhaps ensure or reduce the chance of an appeal what we may see though is some valid arguments with the consecutive tens. That is a newer area of the law. Want to hear more? Download the podcast on iTunes or Google Play. And listen to The Bill Kelly Show. Weekdays from 9 to noon on AM 900 CHML.